Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coach Nero Chat back in your ears on this Saturday afternoon. I'm Jeremy Barron. I'm joined by Robbie Dunn. And Robbie, we're going to be talking about a, uh, dare I say it, a comfortable win for Atletico over Barcelona tonight. Yeah, it really was. The second half was pretty much uh, uh, not uh, uh, not really a contest. Uh, Barcelona didn't, aside from that Coutinho shot, they didn't really look like scoring at all. And Atletico had a number of chances on the counter to maybe inflict even a worse defeat on them, but um, yeah, comfortable, I would say. Yeah, this could have been maybe even 3 or 4 nil based on how Atletico were rolling along in that first half, and the second half was, was really a, a non-game. I mean, Barcelona ended up with over 70% possession, uh, but I think just the one shot on target. Yeah, and I, and I think wild. I don't really know that this... I don't, I'm not entirely sure that this does much to kind of kill the talk about Atletico's issues in attack because all it does is confirm what we already know. Diego Simeone will make will punish you if you try to play possession against him and he knows how to hurt teams on the counter. He knows how to... Um, his teams can suffer and they will kill you on the counter and, and so I, I don't really think it does much to kind of uh, fix uh, uh, like if Atletico were playing Barcelona every week it would be amazing but <laughs> they're not so, so uh, yeah they're going to have to find a way to break down more solid defense, uh, defenses but, uh, but, but for tonight and to beat um Barcelona after winning in Milan in the midweek, I think it's a pretty successful week all around for Atletico. Yeah, um, a pretty important game psychologically too, because for years Barcelona would torture Atletico. 
for years Atletico would try to enact this same strategy and get so close, but then Messi would score, or Suarez would score, or Usman Dembele would score in the 90th minute. Uh, but there was none of that on Saturday um, at the Wanda Metropolitano, a nearly sold-out Wanda Metropolitano, over 60,000 in attendance as uh, attendance restrictions lifted around Spain, although uh, in Catalonia and in the Basque country, they're going to remain in place for the time being. Uh, in the first half, Tomalema got it started, Robbie, in the 23rd minute on the counterattack. Uh, how did he get in there all alone? Why was there this much space available for him on the counter? Barcelona uh, um, years ago like they used to like obviously under Pep Guardiola they had the 70 seconds or less or uh, I, don't, I don't know if that was actually Guardiola who said that but it was that kind of style where mm-hmm. they they set they got set in their they got set in their um, in their build up and they and they were they defended with the ball so even if you won it back they were in a position Whereby they were they were they were rock solid at the back, whereas now whereas now under Koeman and without the without without the threat of Messi destroying you, uh, <laughs> they 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 aren't set and they weren't set and, and a number of times to, 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 to this evening they um they looked vulnerable at the back after losing possession and on the counter and just I mean we we see teams. Against like like Cadiz and these really these good counter attacking teams, uh, and they're open and and and, and there, there's no real way to eliminate it, the risk uh, of playing that possession based style when you do get on the counter. But the the the, the best coaches I've seen, they're kind of. Uh, um, when they lose the ball, they're wide open, and the problem with that possession and, and, and it, this style is that it looks—it actually looks amateur when you do get caught like that. Because there, there's like for the second goal, and I know we're talking about the first right now, but for the second goal, it was a two-on-one with with a with with a, with a half a pitch mm-hmm. in front of them, in front of Lamar and, and Suarez, like training ground stuff, you know. And I think that that. Um, uh, Ronald Koeman can't just play defensively because Barcelona wouldn't allow it. But at the same time, y- you have to do a better job of 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 being ready when the breakdown does come. And Atletico were ready to pounce, as as you said, the best coaches know how to exploit this. And you know, time and time again, we've seen Atletico try to do this in the past. But now, with with the state of Barca's squad, with some of their key players aging and some less experienced players in the team um, Atleti were able to to exploit it rather ruthlessly with the two counter-attacking goals in the first half. That finish from Lema was just brilliant from the Suarez assist uh, we've talked about it a few times in the last couple weeks but he's he's sensational now Robbie. He's just absolutely essential Yeah, and, and I think I think that um yeah, yeah, and and that's this is what we knew. Like, I mean, and Simeone has known, and it's why Simeone has stuck with him for so long. Um, and and uh, he, he's so dynamic and he's so agile, and, and that's the only the only only two words I can use to describe him. He's just so agile and 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 dynamic, and and Simeone has said that himself in the past. And I think um, uh, 
his goal was so well taken. The, the way he waited and waited and waited, and I was like, oh, it's gone, it's gone, he's going to miss it. But absolutely buried in the top corner. Yeah. And uh, Brilliant. Yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful goal, but 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 essential, yeah. And and I, I think it was on this pod we spoke about it, but um, I mean, a credit to him for sticking with it, because yeah. his career looked almost dead and gone at yeah. Atletico. It was like, look, it was it was almost time to it was it was time to just cut your losses and move on. But he stuck in there and he's just incredible. Yeah, he's developing into a brilliant midfielder and and as you said, so dynamic, uh re- relentless in pushing the ball forward and his aggression has just been so key to the transformation of Atletico's midfield and so effective in facilitating that move away to from the 4-4-2 to the the modified 3-5-2 last year, just continuing this season. A few minutes later, uh, Suarez had a wonderful chance that he just put wide, uh, but we knew he wasn't going to miss that again if he got if he got a second chance, and he did just before halftime. Uh, Lema and João Felix combining again, and as you said, Robbie, there is just... Uh, it's training ground stuff. Look at how much space there is on this goal um, that, that Barca are allowing defensively, and Gerard Piquet is caught in the middle of Lema and Suarez. Lema tees up El Pistolero. He takes his sweet time, one touch, two touch, three touch, and in it goes. That was almost insulting how much time yeah, he took. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, and, and when, you, when you look at that first chance, and I had said it last week, I was like, unless it's a one touch chance for Suarez, forget about it because he just doesn't have the kind of pay or. <laughs> Uh, he, he his build up and his first touch had deserted him. But after missing the first one, I think the second one, and this is where his experience comes into play. And I, I have been critical of Suarez this season, and but I think for the second chance, he, he it looked like he was going to hit it really quickly, and then he realised he was like, "Well, wait a minute, I've got loads of time here." He waited, he waited, he waited, and just rolled it in at the end, like it was um, it was uh, it was an excellent finish, and and. One that a player like, say, I, I don't know who, but a, a more inexperienced player probably does hit that quicker, thinking he has less time. But Suarez realised that Barcelona weren't anywhere near him and, and, and he had kind of calibrated his surroundings after the first miss. And he realised with the second one that, no, no, wait a minute, I've got time here. And, and uh, yeah, just put it to bed completely uh, with that one from, well, uh, Barcelona, yeah, that, that's the other thing. Like people were saying, Barcelona are playing well, but they never really threatened either mm, uh, in the nope. first half. I thought they did. I mean, they the Coutinho had that chance almost immediately after Lemos mm. scored. He just uh, it was a real rasping shot that just missed the far post. Um, and then Memphis created a half chance for Frankie De Jong. Uh, if De Jong had gotten a boot to it, it might have been trouble. Might have gone in. But, yeah, Atletico were really pretty comfortable seeding the possession of Barca. It was 68% in the first half. It was over over 70 for the game, as I said. Uh, and Atletico knew that with Felix and Lema uh, as the outlets on the counterattack, that there would be space and there would be opportunity. And lo and behold, there were spaces and, and there was opportunity. Uh, what did you make of Joao in that first half? No goals or assists for him, but two pre-assists. I thought he was critical in the buildup. Uh, he's just... Is he continuing to get stronger? What did you think of his performance? Yeah, like well, like 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 you said actually after the Milan game, I had said, oh, he needs that um, confidence and everything. The, the ankle obviously was really bothering him last year. No, yeah. Um, I, I think that I think that that's 
he, he's giving himself a chance now at least now that he's healthy he, he's got he's, he has a chance now to at least take advantage of the minutes he's given because last year uh, and throughout his career he, he'd been given half an hour here an hour and like I mean it's frustrating when you kind of know yourself you're you're in one of those positions that when things aren't going well you're going to be the first one taken off like and and, and that plays on your mind and when you're a young player and when you're when you're you're not kind of you don't have the uh, what they call it hierarchia yeah 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 in in um in in Spanish and and like the, the he doesn't have the weight of a Luis Suarez or something like that so he's kind of that's playing on your mind like and um he now uh, like with the a fixed ankle and what we saw in Milan when he came on he was just calling for the ball he was he wanted to be decisive he he he, he felt important he felt like I can offer something here and I think that was what we saw tonight in the first 45 minutes was a continuation of that where he, he, he like like he, even if you look at the f- f- first goal where he kind of turns around for yeah it's just so like, like as if he was going to go off his right and turn roll roll around around his right and he just kind of flicked it into his left and just kind of caught Araujo off guard, and yeah. uh, he like like that just opened up the whole thing. And the fact that Barcelona kind of were were um, vulnerable anyway at that point. I think Joe Felix was just kind of like I, it, it's flowing for me here at the moment. I'm just go, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. And I think um, yeah, and he felt important. He he, he was given opportunities, and uh, and he took them. Yeah, Arojo is Barcelona's best center back, I'd argue now, and he had he had some trouble tonight, uh, particularly in the first half. That was just so smooth from Joao to help set up that first goal, um, and he he was also fouled four times. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, 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 no, uh, yeah, and he was fouled, and, and, and yeah. he's another player who I would describe as being very dynamic. He's able to kind of lose a man, just a kind of little shake of his hips, a kind of a. Uh, He's got like a little burst of speed that, he, that that helps him lose defenders. And when your ankle isn't right, you lose like I don't know fifty percent of your game. Like so now that his ankle is right and he, he's feeling good, uh, he, he he can he can pierce defenses with 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 those kind of darts and with his dynamism. So um, so, and and then and then also like when you're playing on the counter, especially drawing those fouls. And I mean the referee was a little bit reluctant to pull out yellow cards. Uh, but there was a couple after maybe even just fifteen twenty minutes when you were like, yeah, this is going to be a long night for Barcelona's defenders. And then uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was a tough one. And, and Araujo struggled, but I think any defender against an informed Felix was. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Gerard Pique just is is so slow now. Um, and it, it, he's not a great fit for a game like this where you have Lema, where you have Felix, where you have Correa, Griezmann available in reserve when you have very tricky, skilled, technical attackers. The lack of foot speed in, in defense. And, I mean, Araujo is, is the best Barca have right now. And um, Atleti didn't necessarily run rings around him in the first half. But, again, they were 
they were electric on the counter, as they have been in recent in in recent meetings with Barca, um, as they've kind of weakened. Well, more than kind of, they have weakened defensively, uh, and they've lost somewhat of their I- identity. Um, and Letty absolutely pounced on that in the first half, and and the Suarez goal was just masterful, just a great a great example of clinical finishing of course the image that's going around social media is holding up the uh thumb and the pinky to his ear uh showing he he didn't forget ronald kuman he didn't forget what happened to him uh forever using that as motivation yeah and i, th- I think it was actually kind of funny that uh, that uh, it was and Koeman was on the phone at the time obviously calling Henrik Larsson or whoever it was that he was talking to and uh, yeah it was just kind of uh, perfect timing that Suarez was like Yeah, is that Kuman is just such an abrasive and stubborn character. It's certainly not helping these young players that, that Barca really have no choice but to bed through now because of their financial issues. I mean, the, the salary limits came out the other day. They're under 100 million. 100 yeah. million euros they can okay. spend. Like, that's just shocking. That's astounding compared to where they were a couple of years ago. Uh when it when it rains, it pours. They have they have fallen fast, and Atletico have kind of it's coincided with Atletico maintaining and improving their play and improving their recruitment, and it, it shows up in games like this. And Suarez said midweek that the big games are for the big players, and it's it's these moments that you need to showcase uh, your importance, your standing as a player. In the, in the second half, it wasn't nearly that pretty um, from an attacking standpoint, but Atleti shut up shop defensively in that vintage Simeone fashion. Um, I thought Jimenez was, particularly was spectacular in this game, Robbie. Uh, Completed 93% of his passes, won all his duels, nine clearances, uh, just fantastic. He led the way at the back. Yeah, definitely, yeah, and and, and it was, it was, uh, 
and, and I don't really know. Um, it, it, obviously, you, you give Atletico credit because they shut out Barcelona, and that's uh, always a, a positive. But like PK came out and said, we could be playing for three hours and we wouldn't score a goal. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that, like, for for a team that and all these players, I think, yeah. Bar maybe or more so, but like I mean, Savage and and uh, and and certainly Jimenez would have played under Simeone defense in in that defensive kind of four four two and Cholismo the, the original Cholismo we'll call it. Mm-hmm. So like they know they know how to play this, and and, and we've seen year ago and, and, and even in the recent past we've seen Atletico playing that style and being put under serious serious pressure but this felt like a, a walk in the park for them um, and the likes of Jimenez just loves that I mean uh, bringing on Ansu, not playing a, nine, a pure nine um, bringing on Ansu Fati playing him centrally I, I think uh, yeah I, th- I think this was a walk in the park for Atletico and uh, they would have liked to get another goal or two uh, the chances were there but wasn't really convinced with uh, with Correa and that, but going going the other way, like defensively, I thought that were, this was. Um I mean, this is just, yeah, like I said, a walk in the park for them. Yeah, the guys who have been here a long time, you know, Jimenez has been here since 2013, Savage since 2015, Carrasco joined the team first time in 2015. Like, this was a throwback for these guys. Like, they were used to doing this, to the Cholismo 1.0, we'll call it. Uh, these guys are used to this. They they know what is required when it's time to shut up shop. Um, and I, I think Simeone handled it uh, in terms of the substitutions. I think he handled it really, really well when it was time to kind of freshen things up. He tried by putting on Correa and Griezmann. Neither of them really did a whole lot. They look, Those two looked rather disconnected, and that's something we obviously need to watch for as when we come back from international break. Uh, how will Griezmann look? Um, how will his adaptation proceed in, in following his return from France duty because those two didn't really look like they'd been playing together a whole lot. Um, but the story of the second half was the defense. I mean, Barcelona completed almost 650 passes. Um, I'm watching the ESPN FC right now. They just showed a graphic. Almost 650 passes and really very few of them were dangerous. I think Tomale Maud did a great defensive job in the second half tracking these runs from Sergio Roberto. Uh, Barcelona just really didn't have any solutions. I mean, the injuries haven't helped. No Pedri in this game really did hurt them. Um, but they just didn't have any strategic or schematic solutions. As PK said, this could have gone on for another couple hours and Barca probably still wouldn't have scored. It was eerily yeah. comfortable for Atleti. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and, um, and the, I, I guess the, the problem for Barcelona... This has been evident for the last uh, number of years, but Messi always provided a solution. But um, yeah, this is um, this is. I think. Uh, do you know what? Like, I mean, I, I I don't know, and I don't really know how you just come out and say, "Look, this is a this is a uh, a complete rebuild," but or not not even a complete rebuild. I, I don't know how you would do this, or or at what point did Barcelona accept this, or what, how you do just accept it but I think they have to just admit we have to start from scratch and I also think that and I understand that you, you can't just kind of throw out the, the philosophy for short termism and, and, and that but at the same time like when, when you're living when you're like the problem with Barcelona at the moment is that they're, they're living and they have been living 
uh, fighting against nostalgia and, and the problem with fighting against nostalgia is is nostalgia always wins like, mm-hmm. like, like nothing there's nothing better than nostalgia. Like you're looking back on, oh, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like it used to be. Like you know, they, they even there's even a saying that says like, uh, nost- even nostalgia isn't what it used to be. Like you know, and and like, and and like, uh, I just think that there has to come a point where they just tear this whole thing down. And I'm not saying tear down the foundations of cryfism and all that, but accept that for the next year they are going to be really bad and I know that and this is a problem when when you mix like um, or when you try to kind of keep up with PSG and Man City and when you mix business and football because business capitalistic models you just have to keep expanding keep growing keep increasing revenues yeah but a football a football team can only uh, you, like you can't just keep winning like there has to be rebuilding years there has to be uh, uh, down years, there has to be kind of processes of reinvention and, and re-establishing what you're good at, and you know, like there's not an endless amount of players, there's not an endless amount of world-class coaches. You you, you get things wrong, uh, like with managerial appointments, and you have to kind of allow for that. And I think that Barcelona trying to keep up still with this kind of facade that we're we're, we're still. Uh, now, now I know that the, the players have come out and said, "Look, we're, we're like we are what we are," and I'm sure internally they they they're, they're they're starting to address that. But at the same time, like they're going to have to rethink their model of how they even play right now because they're they're going to be humiliated if they keep on playing in the way that they do, given the standard of the player that they have available. Yeah, uh, it's at that club. It's just so difficult though because of how business and football are are so have been so closely intertwined and not only that but how intertwined the club is with the fans because it's socio run unlike you know very few clubs in spain still have that status uh they're it's been very difficult for them to accept they've struggled in big games for years and just continued thinking short term short term short term uh but at that club there seems to be uh it's a simultaneous refusal but also an acceptance that okay we need to be looking two three years in the future like it, it's it's tough for them um but the, this is this has been a reckoning what's gone on so far this season and even some results last year in the Cumin's record in big games just is not good it's not pretty uh, other than like that Copa del Rey run last year uh Barca have really been overmatched and outclassed in big games the latest example being this one on Saturday and when father time came calling for Godin and Felipe and Juan Fran a few years ago Atleti moved on um Pique and Busquets still have huge roles at Barca and you could argue that they're past it especially with how Kuman is trying or trying not to play um the salaries are still a huge issue even though that wage bill has been slashed it's really a divergence and a dichotomy between these two clubs and how they have been run in recent years when Atletico came up with those issues aging players bloated salaries they said right we're gonna not gonna tear this thing down in the studs but we're gonna rebuild intelligently we're gonna sell who we need to sell and we're gonna trust the coaching staff to to put it all together and they did at Barca it's a completely different story in part because of the ownership model of the the Croifistas the the Barca DNA uh it's 
it's looking like a long road for them. It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and I think that like sacking Kuman, and, and and I think Kuman has his faults, but at the same time, he's 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 got a uh, he's um, fighting a a, a a lose lose battle, like a losing battle, like he's got no chance. Like I mean, because he's simultaneously being asked to rebuild with it uh, and also be competitive with a team that's just not competitive right now and then you add the injuries in on top of everything and the and the political turmoil surrounding everything and and the expectations that go with that and and uh, Koeman really uh, like I feel sorry for Koeman because he probably isn't up to the job but he's also and he also doesn't help himself with his hubris but he he's um he, he is uh like like he yeah, he, he's constantly fighting against this. Um, uh, since the word go, almost, but maybe not the word go. He has been given uh, plenty of time, but it, like, he, he, yeah, he, he's fighting against this. Uh, like these two competing things, where you have to be competitive and win, but you also have to do it with these academy players and they, uh, these and, and without Messi and without Griezmann. Like we're just going to sell all the best players, and you have to do it with these guys now. And, and not, and not even the, just the academy players, but Coutinho, who's just—he's almost seen as the epitome of the wasted, the, the profligate spending under Bartomeu, and he's going out on the field. And Coutinho—it's actually kind of sad how Coutinho's career has gone because what 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 age is he? He's like thirty now, is he? Yeah, he's twenty nine. Twenty nine, thirty. Twenty nine now, like and, and Jurgen Klopp said to him, he said, "If you stay at Liverpool, they'll build a statue for you." And he went, he wanted to go to Barcelona. He's gone to Barcelona, and the last four years have just been like depressing. He's he's like him. a he's like a non-player now. And yeah, Coutinho yeah. is kind of the the poster child for this. Now that he's still in the team, he's the one that Kuman mm. is playing the most. And yeah, you're right. Kuman strikes. I wouldn't say Kuman is exactly a sympathetic character, but I mean he's got a point. But up to a point, he's got a point that you know Barca have injuries and they their squad has been slashed, um, so they they can't play the way that the fans want them to play. But at the same time, yeah, he doesn't help himself um, with his press conferences and the kind of deflecting blame and even attacking his players in the media. Uh, that's that's a no go. That's a no starter. Like I can't imagine Cholo Simeone doing that. You know, just I can't fathom Simeone taking those kinds of tactics it's not really doesn't strike me as healthy for team building or man management no but i also don't think that simeone would be put into that position where he right. felt like he was in a defensive position and he had to come out fighting like you know and that's how that's kuman's being treated like a cornered kind of a, <laughs> a cornered rash <laughs> i mean that uh, in a bad way but like he's he's a cornered animal like and he's going to come out and bite like so and and he's he's being treated a little bit like that, like he's being thrown right into the corner. And he, he's like, no, 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 hold on. Uh, let me just get this straight here because mm-hmm. you're not going to have it all your own way. And we know as our piece, it's all political. It's all everything's done through the press and leaks, and and and, and that's another kind of a characteristic of the Barcelona. Uh, collapse in recent years is that like these leaks and it's all everything's done through the media, the press, social media, and it's just so so messy. And uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, 
we've kind of gone off the topic now where this is an Atletico Madrid podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we have, yeah, haven't we? <laughs> it is worth mentioning. Yeah. No, but it is worth mentioning because um, Barcelona have been one of uh, Atletico's toughest rivals. Like Every time you saw Barcelona, either at the Wanda or, or going to the Camp Nou, it was like, yeah, you'd absolutely take a draw with both hands like because they're always got a goal as you said at the start of the podcast Messi uh, uh, Dembele uh, like I mean it was always uh, Suarez even when he played for Barcelona it was always something and uh, yeah tonight it was like you're looking kind of waiting for that uh, fight back and you're like it, it was 80 minutes and you're like I don't think it's coming there it's not going to happen and uh yeah, in one way, it's good to see Atletico winning so comfortably, but in another way, it's kind of sad that Barcelona couldn't couldn't even muster a, a legitimate comeback. Mm-hmm. How the times have, have changed indeed. And for the time being, Atletico are atop La Liga. Barca uh, continue to fall. Uh, now a five-point gap uh, this early in the season between Atletico and Barca. Uh, Real Madrid play Espanyol. On Sunday, uh, we'll see how that goes. But entering the international break, Robbie, the the sensaciones, one of my favorite Spanish words, uh, the 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 vibes, the feelings, they're they're a lot better after these wins against Milan and Barcelona. Still, a lot to work on, but wouldn't you say that the vibes are are, are getting are getting better now? Yeah, definitely, and and that's what we kind of said. I mean, it was definitely worrying, and it remains worrying. We'll see how they play against. Uh, I don't know who they have right after the international break, but we'll see how things pan out. But given the fact that, um, let's just say La Liga is is a forgiving place this year, given the fact that there's no team to have it together, which is absolutely amazing for the competitive nature of the sport. Like, I mean, it's gone to the point where football is so predictable that like you fall behind by six or nine points and say yeah that's it by November or whatever whereas this year it's kind of like anyone could pick up a bit of steam here at the right time and and, and well not anyone but like there's four or maybe five teams that could pick up steam at the right time and, and really make a go at this league and I think uh, given the turmoil at Barcelona obviously uh, and Real Madrid's kind of like we've seen them with weird wobbles against, they didn't look great against Villarreal and lost to Sheriff and yeah, just some strange results. Uh, like I think, I think, like kind of like, like kind of like the quarterback in in uh, in NFL. Like Atletico has Simeone and he is when you compare him to the other contenders, he you would back Simeone out of all the other coaches to get mm. to find the, to find a solution or to find a way to win it mightn't be pretty it mightn't be even overly consistent but he's been there the longest he's got the most um, trust out of all the managers and he, like in terms of from the ownership and that his position is completely stable you, you would be backing him if if you had to pick and you had to boil it down into like the, the most um to the to the uh, people on the sideline, you're picking Simeone. Yeah, mm-hmm. hundred times out of hundred, like. Well, we've got a couple minutes left, Robbie. Um, we both saw a certain film last night, uh, obviously on on different sides of the Atlantic, but. Let's have a brief movie corner here, uh, a brief discussion on The Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos prequel that dropped uh, last night. I watched it at home on, a, on HBO. You went to the theater and saw it. Uh, what did you think? Um. 
You want to start with such, such <laughs> people? People left like in the middle of it. Like oh and my! And I just thought that I don't. I, I'd like to know why you, why you thought it was good because I'd like to because I like. I mean, I've got so many issues with it in terms of <laughs> uh, even the casting. Like Silvio Dante was embarrassing. Like. What are you trying to do? It was just so poorly cast. <laughs> and Polly, like Polly Polly Walnuts in, in the original series, The Sopranos, one of the best, funniest char- natural most natural characters ever written in, in the history of of, of a television series. And his his character in this was like first he was poorly cast as in like he didn't really kinda look too much like him but he wasn't even funny he had no depth he was he, 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 like kind of like like uh, he, the time when they when the the uh, john john johnny soprano walked out came out of prison and they were like oh what's that guy doing living here and he said oh well he's a doctor and paul he was like he's not operating on me and i was like is that is that all you've got for this guy <laughs> is that the best joke you can write for him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Come on, like it was Paulie Walnut. Paulie Walnut's character was genius in the mm. series, and this, oh man, I thought it was, yeah. But that's just one of the issues I have with it. Sorry. Just one of the people were walking out. You said, "Wow, yeah." I had kind of a, an opposite view of it. Yeah, I, I thought some of the supporting characters weren't particularly well written. Paulie's especially. Um, I, I will, I will say though, I'm not necessarily a big Sopranos fan. Um, I'm not a big fan of the show. Um, I'm I'm planning to revisit it now because I really enjoyed the movie. But in the past, I've just kind of thought, eh, that's it. That being said, I I did enjoy this film and thought the casting was a little bit better. Um, I, I think having James Gandolfini's son play young Tony Soprano was great. And I thought he was excellent in this movie. Um, Alessandro Nivola as Dickie Moltisanti, great. I and I thought the the film was centered on those two characters and their uh, their paths through through this world through um, through the mob life in 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 New York. Uh, it's obviously yeah. set in a very tumultuous time. I thought the casting was good. I thought the I thought it was well written. I thought it was well shot. I thought it was even more than a competent film. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but like the problem with. Um, uh... The, the the problem with okay so so they got Tony uh, so young Tony Soprano right but it felt like okay we got him right now we just fill all the edges in with whatever and secondly Tony Soprano the the, the, the Sopranos the show was built around the complexity uh, of uh, Tony Soprano's demons mm-hmm. and like uh, and, and and like my my. And, and they didn't go into any of. They didn't add any layers to that. Oh, they didn't add anything to Tony Soprano. I thought we were going to get a look into what made him the way he is, or you know, like they, they focused it on Dicky Maldasanti, which is fair enough. But like, even that was kind of like he he was important enough in 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 the show in that he was he kind of was like like uh, Christopher was very emotional when he talked about his dad and kind of. And and and, uh, and Tony was really close to him and stuff like that. But like, I I just feel like he 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 took on a uh, like why are you is, this is just about him. I was like waiting for the 
tell us about Tony, like, and what, how he became Tony Soprano. And I feel like they never added any depth to that. But my, my, my issue with, with, like, when I walked out of a movie, like, and when I walked out of that movie, I felt like there was no character in that movie that I cared about. <laughs> you know the way, you know, you, you know the way when you walk out of, like, uh, for example, like, I, I don't know, like, some of my favorite movies, like, say, yeah, I just, like, We'll say uh, Boyhood or something. I don't know if you've ever seen Boyhood. Oh yeah, like, later. The, the guy, the guy in that, like, I mean, you felt like you, 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 you cared about what happened to him, like. Whereas with the Sopranos last night, I walked in and I was like, I don't care. I actually don't care. I don't, I don't care about any person that I saw in that movie. I don't care what happens to them. I'm not going home thinking about it. I'm not like, I'm not like invested in these guys. I, I, I don't care. And it was just like a caricature of the show, like like uh, Junior Soprano, like and it was just I just felt like I was just really, really bored. I was so disappointed. Interesting. Well, well, got some divergence of opinion here. That's healthy, healthy debate. <laughs> Very healthy. Yeah. Exactly. Your utter hatred of this film. I think it's quite interesting that you said you were kind of mad about the series. So yeah. I think there's something, we can probably, there's obviously something there that, because I thought the series was just absolutely amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think it, it just kind of depends on, and you could watch it again and be like, oh, wow. Because when I first watched it, okay, I watched it and it was, oh yeah, that was great, yeah. But then I watched it a second time, I was just like, yeah. And, and, and like, uh, yeah, I think I, I read a lot about it and kind of what they were trying to do and, and kind of tried to understand some of the characters a little bit more. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like, this is seriously deep. Like, like how how they're trying to develop Tony and, and mm. stuff like that. And yeah, so, yeah, but uh, I thought the series is amazing. And, and, I, and uh, yeah, I just thought that, that the movie was just a little bit unnecessary. And then I read that David Chase kind of delegated out to directing to someone else. Yeah, and Alan I, Taylor. He, he co-wrote it with someone else, and I was just like, that, that's what was wrong. David Chase's heart was never in it. If it like, had been all David Chase, maybe it would have been better? Yeah, yeah, maybe if it was like his... Like, if you ever see, saw the movie Deadwood, or saw the show Deadwood, De- yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. And then David Milch was like, this deserves an ending that's fit for... that The, 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 the fans deserve an ending, and he poured his heart and soul into the movie. And the movie was absolutely amazing. Now I understand that he had the characters to uh, where it was a sequel, so he could kind of he could just bring the same people back uh, and just kind of maybe add a couple of years to them, which almost happened naturally because given the space of time period, so it's a little bit easier in terms of casting. But he 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 did the, he did the characters justice for what he was. He actually added layers to like Al Swearingen and like gave them the, the proper gave them a proper sequel and I understand that the Many Saints of Newark is a prequel but he, he, he added he added layers to you go back and watch the show and it actually helped then to kind of knit things together properly and, you know but I, I felt like the Many Saints of Newark didn't do that at all fascinating absolutely fascinating uh, that was our movie corner for this week's show we, we might revisit it we might do this again <laughs> if we encounter a film that we're both dying to see but have divergent opinions on <laughs> this was good I like this make it a semi-regular feature Robbie Dunn thank you so much for coming on this edition of Colch Nero Chat absolutely no problem Jeremy I'll chat to you soon absolutely and thank you all for listening we will 
we'll have some content over the international break as uh, several Colchoneros are going to be playing for their national teams. Uh, so keep it here. Keep it on into the Calderon.com, Patreon.com slash chat as well. We'll talk to you all again soon. Adios.